if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. People can't believe the sense of unconditional love and beauty that they find there. It's just nothing like they've ever experienced. And many people, when they come back, they can't even bear to be in the physical state. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. Coming at you on uh, December now. Merry Christmas. We got Danielle Silverman coming in later tonight talking about... Uh, Oh, UFO stuff, of course. Well, the grays and and artificial intelligence. It's a little beyond the UFOs. Well, pardon (laughs) pardon me. (laughs) It's beyond the UFOs, which I guess the grays aren't on UFOs anymore. (laughs) Anyway, it was fun chat. Yeah, it was good. We talked about Nigel Kerner, too, because she was his, uh, I think she was either his publisher or also his booker for a while, and he passed away uh, just when his book was ending, I think. Just when he finished his book, I think he passed away fairly recently, so she's sort of out there talking about his new book, which is called Gray Aliens and Artificial Intelligence, The Battle Between Natural and Synthetic Beings for the Human Soul. Pretty fun chat. Hell of a title. Yeah. Oh, kind of scary, really. Is it? You read yeah. it? Scary? Uh, well, no. The title's scary. I mean, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to think, to be honest with you. You mean the title? I'm, I'm just an uninformed host. So, oh, are you still going on about that review? <laughs> no, we'll talk about it later. We're gonna say we'll that later. Okay. You no, see, I do. You have trouble what? with the bad reviews. With the what? You have trouble? With no, the, no, 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 no. I, I think they're fucking funny. It's funny. We're gonna funny laugh too. at it. It's gonna. We're it's 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 ridiculous. Actually, the guy's a a lunatic. <laughs> Anyways, um, I don't know, man. I wanted to say I read like one of my favorite audiobooks I've been narrating uh, recently was uh, called Ancient Mysteries and Modern Masonry, and I looked at the guy the guy who wrote the book Charles Vale back in the early 1900s. Actually, he was writing about I was texting my cousin back and forth because the picture of Charles Vale is Uncle Dave. Really? It is exactly Uncle Dave. Double lung transplant, Uncle Dave? That's our Uncle Dave, one of our first supporters here in Grand America. It looks exactly like him. It's super weird. So I was texting my family back and forth, and they're like, it's Dave. It's exactly like Dave. And um, we were talking about, and then I look at his other books, Scientific Socialism. He was like right into socialism. But this book on ancient mysteries was amazing. It was the first time in a while my views on the resurrection and the initiations and all that stuff has been articulated in a book. Interesting. Super Your interesting. Views? Yeah. My, that's why I found it so fascinating because he was expanding on the part that I always want more knowledge of. Like, 
what the ancient mysteries were for and what the initiation was for and the, and the three days and the resurrection, like the, basically the death, the resurrection and the ascension. Super interesting, but I shouldn't really even talk about that because it's not going to be out for a while. But I mean, I do, I just wanted to mention it because of uncle Dave and you know, it's funny going back and forth. I can get that one out pretty quick. I think. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. There's no, no rush. It's just, uh, that's a good one because that's the one. Isn't that the one you, the one you test edited? Yes, I did. Yeah. So yeah. it should be pretty, pretty hopefully quick. It's, hopefully it's, hopefully it's good. Yeah. So yeah, I've got like a, I've got a sort of a long quote, which could be a project operation, but it's, it's kind of uh, relevant. And, um, I want to talk about a reviews for people to review our show. And I, and I have a backup project operation. If you want to get into it. From How are your the bug episode. bites? What? Are your bug bites all healed up? My legs are all healed up. Yeah. My head is still stuffed. I'm worried about my, my voice. Uh, actually right now it sounds okay, but just in the last day or two, it's getting a little bit clearer, but it's been my, my ears, my head, my throat still a bit stuffed up from Egypt. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I have that RSV stuff that's going around or something. What's RSV? What? What's RSV? I don't know. What's that thing that's going around? That respiratory virus? It's not COVID, though. No, it's not COVID. Interesting. Yeah. And the yeah. flu's pretty deadly right now, too, so... Maybe yeah. I just have flu's deadly if you got shots. Maybe I have long COVID. It seems. Oh my God! You and your long COVID. You just get long <laughs> COVID every time. <laughs> it could be. You could be one of these saps that just is. Because the last time you got COVID, you seem to be dealing with shit for a long time too. Sap. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I think saps. Is that right a functional way. name? Is that functionally? Is there something meaningful in that? Or I don't just... know. I just say I think that's like I think that's the right term. It's not your fault, but you're just stuck with this thing where you get long COVID. Maybe that's the wrong word. What do you think the right? What do you What do you think the word is? Uh, wuss. No, I don't think I'm not saying it as a wuss. Oh, well, Urban Dictionary says it's a fat farting guy that dances <laughs> like a retard. <laughs> There you go. A fat farting guy that dances like a retard? I mean, that could be it. A fat... Where'd it go? A fat funny guy that dances oh, like a retard, does oh, nothing funny. at parties, has a tiny head, chode, and a pimple on his face that never disappears. Oh, my God. What is going on with that Urban Dictionary? It's off the hook. It's a very baby. specific definition. Yeah, it's a little mean, too. Anyway. Especially if you can't control your height, right? That's like very hateful. That's hate speech right there. We don't need more hate speech. We don't need more. No. No more. So what do you got for us, Dunlap? Well, I, I, do you want to talk about the I'm review? Sorry let's I ask called for you good reviews. Let's, uh, I'm let's sorry ask I called you sap, reviews. but I just think you're you're prone to long COVID. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you just get COVID worse than other people. Maybe. Yeah, it must be in my genetics or something. Or maybe because you're in terrible shape. I'm not in terrible shape, dude. I mean, really, I'm not in terrible shape. You're in not as good a shape as you could be. Maybe that could help. Right. I'm in the I'm in the worst shape of my life, but I mean, that doesn't mean it's terrible. <laughs> it's still better than <laughs> some people. <laughs> Winter doesn't make it easier. I was out skating today. Why don't you come skating with us? Oh, were you? Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. They got all the rinks plowed over at the thing. We should get some hockey t skates and go dominate all the kids. 
Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Little shitty. They got those little hockey. mini nets, you know, the little tiny yeah, ones. C- yeah, cool. That would be cool. Yeah, let's do that. I'll just go be a bunch. Of I don't know. I lost all my ball hockey gear. Did I tell you? I don't know what happened, but something happened and all my hockey gear is gone. I have my ice hockey skates still and stuff, but I've lost my gloves, my helmet, all that stuff is gone. I cannot find it. It's like, it's like it got stolen or something. We went skating today. My feet hurt. It hurts my feet. They don't hurt yeah. anymore, but it's yeah. like, is that just until you get used to it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. After a couple of skates, that goes away. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. After like an hour, it hurts like a motherfucker. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I still you haven't skate. used those feet muscles in a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's like riding a bike, though. It really yeah. is. Skating oh, is yeah. like riding a bike. So anyway, what do you got for us? What do you want to start? Well, I mean, with? I wanted to talk about. I wanted. I wanted to offset this bad review. Like, ask some people right, for some five star reviews, but we don't have. A I review think it's quite jingle, funny. Do we? But I, what I don't understand is I went to iTunes to look, and we have 182 ratings, and we have a 4.9. I mean, we have the bet. Like, I wouldn't ask for anything more. Like, That's just, amazing did reviews. Did you what? go to the Canada store or to the USA well, store? Well, I went to – tried to go to Canada, but I, it kept taking me to USA. But then I went to this – I found this chartable, and this is where the review comes from. So it says it's from iTunes. It says it's from Apple Podcasts in the U.S., but it doesn't show up in Apple Podcasts on the U.S. So what is going on with that? Oh, I don't know. It might just not show up yet. I don't know. I can't believe you spent this much time on it. What? I want to. You wanted to know which? Did you figure out what what he was talking about? Did it say? Did you figure find the? No, full that's review? the whole point. So let me let me read it for okay. you. This is a it's a funny hate hate review. It is funny to hear the hosts gasp in surprise. When a guest mentions things many children would consider common knowledge. Took me a while to understand what he was saying there. Maybe I am uninformed. It it undermines the authoritative stance they take in their opinions over very complex health matters at the beginning of the show. So we know what that's about. Two stars. I deducted a star because of the impulsive interjections that obscure the point the guest is trying to make. Sorry. 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 (laughs) Thanks, Derek. (laughs) So, and the title is Uninformed Host. So, I mean, I don't know. Why don't you give us an example? What are we, what are we like gasping in surprise that we should know about? And then we're, and then we're authoritative about what? Like what's happening in the COVID world, maybe? I mean, is that what it is? He got his shots. What, What are you talking about? He got his shots. Yeah, and he doesn't like us saying that he might die from him. Well, yeah, it's something like that. Anyways, we won't go get into all that. But why, why is this not showing up? I mean, it seems weird. It's like somebody put it right into Chartables. Like, um, it's almost like a fake review. I think it's a, it's a scam. Well, Chartables it's a bot, just it's a bot review. No, it's not a bot review. Chartable is uh, just like compiles it from the service. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I realize that, but I mean, it's weird that it wouldn't show up in the real iTunes, and it says it's coming from America iTunes, so. Anyways, just review the show if you could, because uh, help us offset that that nasty person. And actually, if you want to review our Audible audiobooks, too, that would really help, because obviously that's that very helpful for the algorithms. Oof. Anyways, that's my plug. It's What's still on? two weeks until that last YouTube strike comes off. 
Two weeks. I thought you said it was December 22nd. Yeah. How long is that? That's 10 days, 11 days away. This might not we said yeah. some things oh no what <laughs> we said some things of what we've already said yeah we just started the intro i know what did we say well we said some shit that they might not like well, uh, can you go back and edit it out I'm see this is the problem now we're self-censoring ourselves we didn't say much i mean really it should be fine. just read yeah it should be fine so there you have it Anyways, I have like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do the, like, the the big quote thing, which is kind of an operation project? But I, you know, which jingle should I play? This, what the quote. The I quote? want you to get. I want you to guess this who it is, so it'd be the quote. Oh boy. It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of the week. Okay. Okay, you ready? So ready. it's it's kind of not really a, a specific quote, but I want you to guess who wrote this. Welcome to the Forgotten History Podcast, where we explore the mysteries of the past and uncover the lost technologies and forgotten civilizations that have shaped our world. In this episode, we'll be discussing the legend of Atlantis, the fallen angels, and the incredible megalithic structures that have stood the test of time. First, let's talk about Atlantis. This legendary island city is said to have been a thriving metropolis with advanced technology and a highly developed culture. According to the ancient Greek philosopher Plato, Atlantis was a naval power that conquered many parts of Europe and Africa. However, the city eventually met its downfall in a catastrophic event, sinking into the ocean and disappearing forever. Some believe that Atlantis was a real place, with some speculating that it could be located in the Mediterranean Sea or even off the coast of America. However, the exact location of Atlantis remains a mystery and it may never be found. Next, we'll discuss the fallen angels. The mythical beings are mentioned in various religious texts, including the Bible, as powerful angels who were cast out of heaven for the rebellious, the rebellion against God. The story of the fallen angels has captivated people for centuries and has inspired countless works of art and literature. But what if the fallen angels were not just a myth, but actually a real group of beings who once lived on the earth? Some believe that these beings were actually aliens who came to the earth and helped shape the early human civilization. It is said that they possessed advanced technology and knowledge and may have even helped build the mysterious megalithic structures that can be found all over the world. Speaking of megalithic structures, let's talk about some of the most impressive examples of these incredible feats of engineering. The ancient pyramids of Egypt, the stone circles of Stonehenge, and the massive statues on Easter Island are just a few examples of these massive structures that have puzzled historians and archaeologists for centuries. It is unclear how these structures were built as they predate the invention of the wheel and other technologies that we would expect to be necessary for such ambitious projects. Some believe that the fallen angels or even ancient Atlantis may have had a hand in their construction. But regardless of who built them, these megalithic structures stand as a testament to the ingenuity and determination of our ancient ancestors. 
They remind us that the history of our world is full of mysteries and wonders, and that there's still much to be discovered. Thank you for joining us on this journey into the forgotten history of Atlantis, the fallen angels, and the incredible megalithic structures. Join us next time as we continue to uncover the secrets of the past and explore the mysteries of our world. You want to guess whose podcast yeah. that is? Well, yeah, or who wrote it. Do I know them? No. Giorgio Sukalos. <laughs> you know Giorgio. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really know him. I know he's a dick. Um, hmm. Hey, let me let me read let me read um let me read a him? quote about this about what we're doing right now and about that. Let me read that as it was by the same author. And it might give you a little bit of a, a little bit more insight. Okay. okay. Dar- Graham and Darren were sitting in the studio ready to record the latest episode of their popular podcast, Grimerica. As they began discussing the topic for the day, Graham casually mentioned a new article he had read about ancient civilizations. It's really interesting stuff, Graham said, trying to sound casual. I actually wrote a short piece on it myself, if you want to hear it. Darren looked surprised. You wrote something on ancient civilizations? I didn't know you were interested in that topic. Oh, yeah, I've been doing some research on it lately, Graham said, not wanting to reveal the truth. I think it's a really fascinating subject that we should be discussing on the podcast. He pulled out a sheet of paper from his bag and began reading his article aloud. As he read, Darren listened intently, nodding along in agreement with some of the points he made. What the fuck is going on here? Despite his initial doubts, Darren was impressed by the depth of knowledge and detail in Graham's writing. He was convinced that his co-host had truly written the article himself. That was really interesting, Graham. Darren said after the reading was finished. I didn't know you had such a passion for ancient civilizations. We should definitely do a whole episode on this topic in the future. Graham smiled, relieved that his trick had worked. He had successfully fooled Darren into believing that he was the author of the article, and he was grateful for his co-host's praise. From that day on, Graham made sure to be more careful about what he claimed to have written. And he continued to impress Darren with his knowledge and expertise on a variety of subjects. What the fuck? Who wrote that? You? (laughs) I don't know, man. I got a little bit of a synchro about this whole thing because as I was putting this together for the intro, I was listening to the No Agenda show. And Adam was railing against this topic as I was like putting it all together for you. It was really interesting. Putting what together for me? This, the author of these two great literature pieces. So even the one about us? Yeah. Someone wrote a story about us? Yeah. How long is it? It's that I just read the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Huh. And you want me to guess who it is? Yeah, who wrote both of them? The same person. The same. It's not a person. The AI. Yeah. Have you been playing with the AI? Have no, I'm just telling you. Have you I'm shown just... nothing your face yet? What? You haven't shown the AI your face or nothing, have you? No, I haven't done the you facial thing yet. It's no. like dancing with the devil. Don't do it. I, I'm, I. This was handed to me by somebody, by a person. Okay. I didn't do this myself. 
But this person was very interested in it, and they were addicted to this. And I asked them for an example, and they gave us an example of it. And I said, that would make a good segment on the show for Darren. He says, okay, let me do something about that, too. So then it wrote the second piece about it. Interesting. So... As I was putting this together, Adam was freaking out on no agenda about about oh this fucking D, do you know the acronym for this? I can't I can't remember no, acronyms I these I days. I fucking hate it. You can't I what? Hate it all. The acronym for what the for the made, bot that does but the bot that does Is all it this. Made? No, that's the that's the medical assisted right. death right. by the Canada. <laughs> that's the wrong acronym. The other. The That's the acronym about the song I'm writing called the Stairlift to Heaven. You're ready. Oh yeah, no, you sang it. She's buying it. She's buying the Stairlift to Heaven. You sang it out loud. You sang it out loud. I didn't sing it. I just said it. I didn't sing it. You wanted to sing it. I will sing it one day, maybe. (laughs) But I need to record it properly. (laughs) Are you gonna hire Brad? No, I'm gonna do like karaoke style. All right, all right, I can dig it. What's it called? Um, I'm trying to find that. I just feel like I should know this this AI chat, this AI bot. I can't. I can't find it. It's. I think it's three letters, uh, BDB or some weird thing like that. Anyways, do you want to know what was plugged in? What? So this is our buddy Ryan who did it for us. Ryan who? Ryan who used to live here um, and he moved to Mexico. Oh. Yeah. Right. He's addicted to the AI bots. Well, he was just lately he's just been playing around with it, right? So So it's like a Ouija board. So let me tell you what he put for the first the whole ancient the ancient thing, right? Was and this is so appropriate to Daniel Silverman's episode that we're talking about with AI, because it's the Grays in AI, right? So very interesting how we're going. So he put in he just asked this write a script for a podcast about lost technology. Forgotten history, fallen angels, Atlantis, and megalithic structures. That's all he put. He didn't put in Darren and Graham? No, that was for the first part, the podcast oh. part. For the second part, he put in um, co host of a podcast called Roy America, and that you wanted to trick Darren into believing that you wrote something on ancient civilizations and they believed you. That's all he put in for both of those, and you got that that writing. I'm unimpressed. What? I'm unimpressed. Oh, you're unimpressed. I thought you were saying you're impressed. No. Why are you unimpressed? I don't know. I could whip that. What up. do you mean? What? If you plug that into me, I could whip it up. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. Just it I don't know. I'm unimpressed. I'm unimpressed with the AI. All right. Well that I thought it would be a fun segment to it see. Was if fun. You guess it was it, fun. But, but I'm right. I'm just unimpressed with the AI's writing ability. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just thought it would be interesting because the show's about AI, and Adam Adam was railing against it uh, against the AI know. the AI writing bots. Yeah, yeah, the specific one that my buddy was because this one's been going viral right now, right? So, um, I can quickly try and find it a different way here. I should have had that that uh, ready to go, but. Did they play the meetup or Egypt meetup clip? I don't know. I don't. I haven't been listening. I've been listening to an amazing book that we're going to be chat, chat, uh, chatting with uh, lists our uh, guest about this week. Are you a man overboard? 
Uh, not quite, but I don't listen to the whole the, all the episodes now. I, I just don't have time. It's hard. Yeah. I was thinking if I did go back to listening to a couple of podcasts, that I, maybe I'll listen to a couple of No Agendas this week. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea. Yeah. Just listen to the first, you know, stop at the donation segment or whatever. Just listen to the first half. See how I'm digging it? All right. Well, I'm going to do this then while you're trying to figure that out. Where the All right, let's go to the YouTubes. Where we have two strikes. And I might have just fouled one into the catcher's mitt. Okay, we have on the DB Cooper app. Apologies for not listening to everything all the way through. Do I understand that DB Cooper was tracked down after his jump from the plane with the money? Or should I start all over again? Thank you so much for your time in making this podcast. Yeah, a couple of people were, I think, confused about the main... Pre- I thought we did a good view of the job of reviewing the premise of the thing, but maybe we didn't. Huh. Like, I wanted to... I thought we did a decent summary of it all before we got into it, but... Uh, awesome wrap-up of the Egypt trip. Love the pictures to go with the chat. Love you guys lots. I'm glad we can still enjoy some content on Control Tube. Uh, Fleegypt, LMAO. Welcome home, guys. You took some really amazing and nice, clear videos, Graham. I've never seen Cairo or pics of it even. Not even done watching it yet, and I had to tell you. Cheers. Wow, that's cool. I'm glad people are... That's on the... On the podcast that we did, I put videos and pictures to it? Yeah. yeah. Already? Wow. So, yeah, just so people know, that Egypt wrap-up is on video now. It's All I did is add my videos and pics to the whole episode. Yes, Grimerica is going back to pyramid posting. Yeehaw. Around what does that the, mean? I don't know. Happy to hear us talk about pyramids, I guess. Oh, I thought it was sarcastic. It sounded sarcastic. I don't think so. I think they're probably just... Been on a healing and you know that kind of stuff for a while. We were talking about some pyramids and shit. Well, that's not true. We'd had what's his name on the Enigma Seeker. Yeah, talking about pyramids. Anyway, from original Larry, he's been around a while. Around the time you guys were in Egypt, I heard a podcast from Freeman Fly interviewing a gentleman who has been studying the chem- chemical aspects of the pyramids. He has a YouTube channel called The Land. Let me guess, Land of Chem. Yes, is that the one Brian was talking about? Yes, it is, yeah. Okay, I thought so. You should check it out, especially Darren, who sounded like he was on the same track. Yeah, that's where you probably got it from, from talking to Brian, who was watching the Land of Chem. And we should have that guy on. Actually, um, our host in Egypt knows the guy, friends with him. Yeah, Yusuf. Or he's related. You guys got to have Yusuf on, too. I have him on, in- I have him on Insta. Insta. Uh, from Archangel Raphael, Ryan Merkel, a.k.a. Merk Diesel, 
needs a shrink, and so do the hosts, apparently. Let me recommend one. His name is Carl Jung. Become familiar with this theory that states universal archetypes, dynamic symbols, individual complex emerge out of the collective unconscious. By the way, Jung was a fan of the quaternity, the number four. I don't really wow. know what that means. You're uninformed. You're an uninformed host. Well, I'm always an un- I could have told you that. Uh, ooh, here we go. On the Meredith Miller app. And yes, I will continue to comment on Meredith videos because what she's doing is extremely destructive. The 180 she made from acting like she was out there to help people who went through all the forms of abuse to dedicating her career to COVID-19 makes it clear what her real motivations are. I don't really remember what we talked about on that episode. Well, I mean, she was she was in line with sort of our thinking about COVID and Matthias Desmet and the sort of the mass psychology that's happening. I mean, if you were in that realm of, wouldn't you dedicate it to what the fuck is going on right now? I mean, what the hell is wrong with that? I mean, how how would you you know you you would think that she's trying to help the most amount of people? I mean, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. She was one of my favorites. On Peter the Enigma Seeker, oof, the amount of mental gymnastics this guy does to make his theory work did not age well after Randall Carlson released his seven-hour how-to special on Atlantis, packed full of actual research. Did you watch the how-to thing? No, we've seen, we've, we know Randall's take on it. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. He knows Randall's take, too. He just doesn't agree with it, but. Bingo, bango. All right, what do you want? What do you want to get to next? Send us some cash. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, our support. Yeah, let, let's save my uh, my project mind shift from the Observer newsletter. We'll save that for another time. We should do a newsletter soon. You should sign up for the newsletter. I did get kicked off of Twitter. I'm permanently suspended. So uh, you can follow me at Grimericano, which is like America with a no at the end of it. Um, but Elon booted me. For some... Like Mexicano with a Grimerica in front? Yes. It's just Grimerica. Well, are you booted? Aren't you under review still? Like, do you, when uh, will you really I'm know? I'm not sure I those mean... appeals go to anybody. Oh, they have to go to some. If, if the, if... Don't a lot of people get restored? I don't know. Steve Kirsch is booted off Twitter, too. I was just reading his, his newsletter. I'm not optimistic. But I'm back on Facebook. I'm minding my P's and Q's. Are you allowed to call people groomers? No, probably not on Facebook. Huh. Well, I might have done that. Oh, well, you're not minding your P's and Q's then. Oh, that's just my personal account. Yeah. But, I, I mean, they can't take that word from us already, can they? they oh, dude, they have a long time. I mean, the whole thing in the States that happened, yeah, they, I mean... What if you're a dog groomer? Well, you know, that's that word's been ruined now. Just like ISIS and just like a just lot of like other the words. N-word or, or the F word? Fascism, yeah. I mean, they're I just redefining all kinds of stuff. I was going to say, uh, the heck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, you know. So now we got another YouTube strike. I mean, it's it's just... 
So that might have just done our channel in right there, that three letters. No, 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 no chance. All, all the only strikes we've ever got are for medical misinformation. Nothing else, ever. No, and that's what that trolling one star was about, because we I'm were... looking at them too right we now. We were pretending we were authoritative in our intro. Well, well, because we were looking at official government stats? Is that what it takes now? Anyways. Um, uh, okay, you, you're looking it up now? Well, I had... Uh, you don't have to look it up. I appealed... The, you're just appealing, like, every week you're appealing something now. Well, my YouTube appeals were rejected, but they were both for medical misinformation. Right. Yeah. But, which is, I, I guess, what got me kicked off of Twitter, too. Because I suggested that the uh, might make you have a stroke. Well, stroke out might have been like if you would have said have a stroke, you probably would. It was more about the way you said stroke out that they don't like. It sounds very threatening. <laughs> if you would have said until you have a stroke, then it probably would have been fine. My language was threatening. Your language was threatening. Huh. Harassing. What? I saw some guy commented. He's like, don't interact with them. Just you can you can talk about them. You can sort of highlight their bullshit or whatever, but do not interact with them. And I thought, you know what? That's probably damn good advice at a certain level. You just don't even directly interact with any of them. It's fun, though. Po, po. All right. GoMerica.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, you know, we're kicked off another social media platform that makes it tough out there. Inflation makes it tough out there, but we could use some more supporters. Um, I don't know what to say. Sign up yeah, for monthly. To, yeah, or go, go to Grammarica Outlawed, too. Yeah, we got or to go to Grammarica Outlawed.ca, sign up for Plus over there. But we need some support. It's never been more important to support the show than it is right now. Going into Christmas, going into the doldrums of winter. We need your support more than ever. Grammarica.ca slash support or to Grammarica Outlawed.ca. Either of those. I think that's about it. We'll let you guys get to this fantastic chat with Daniel Silverman about not UFOs beyond that. <laughs> Enjoy it. Hey, Danielle Silverman, welcome to Gray America. Thanks for joining us. And thanks very much for having me on the show. Very happy to be here. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about Nigel Kerner's work too because uh, I remember this going way back as we started Grey American 2013. And, you know, we talked about UFOs a lot. We had lots of ufologists on. I thought, you know, we must have had Nigel on the show. But you know what? I remember his Harvesting the Souls book. And um, and I remember, I think it was quite controversial, but I, I was thinking, you know, in, in reading his new book and 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 sort of thinking about what we're going to talk about today for the show i was thinking back to like that seemed pretty crazy back then but after 10 years it doesn't seem as crazy anymore yeah absolutely i mean i think nigel was the first person and his first book actually was 1997 song of the grays and i believe he was the first um author to suggest that the gray aliens might be some form of biological robot and and not actually a natural living life form at all and quite and over as the years went on more and more people began to accept that this actually looked to be the case oh i see because yeah. it does see so that was part of the the change in the narrative really cuz now you you know it's not so odd to hear that these things are not emotional they seem like a robot so this is this is kind of like now what's coming maybe to the forefront i guess Absolutely. And even uh, when Nigel's second book, Grey Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls, was published in 2010, um, over the, the, the following couple of years, you had people like Stephen Hawking um, and other, um, the, the astronomer royal in England, the uh, chief astronomer, all saying that if an alien life form came here, they were likely to be um, artificially intelligent, that it, it's not really likely that they would be some kind of natural life form because the kind of civilization that would produce um, something of with that kind of technology uh, with craft that have can go at ridiculously fast speeds nothing that our technology can produce they are likely to be some kind of um, highly technologically advanced definitely artificially would have developed artificial intelligence and that would be the kind of level they would be at. So what they would send out wouldn't be natural life. In fact, natural life wouldn't even survive the kind of distances uh, required to travel from any location where there might be life in the universe to our planet, because it would it would involve going faster than the speed of light. Natural, natural uh, living entities just can't survive those speeds. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I agree with about with you about the speeds, but there might be other ways for for you know for natural life to travel. But I I do like now how the, his his new book, his latest book, and and let's get into sort of Nigel a little bit more. But it's gray aliens and artificial intelligence: the battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. So it's it really is kind of like a, you know, how do how do we tease apart what's natural and what's synth, what's synthetic, right? Yeah, the excellent question. That's kind of the crux of all of Nigel's books. What's the difference between what's natural and what's synthetic? And what does natural actually mean? So what do we mean when we say natural? And the way Nigel understood it is that natural living beings have a connection all the way back to before the universe happened, before the Big Bang. Okay, so um, scientists, they look back to the point of the Big Bang and they explain what happened to what they have, what happened after the Big Bang. But very, very few ask the question, well, what what was before the Big Bang? Big Bang happened in time. What what existed before that? And quantum physics is now uh, gradually moving towards that idea. And they're beginning, beginning to suggest that maybe there was a state of timelessness 
a, a kind of 2D, two-dimensional state of timelessness that from which all uh, that is physical and atomic and limited and set in beginnings and ends and space and time came from. And it's Nigel's suggestion that all natural living being in the universe came from a pre-atomic state before there was atoms, from a state of perfection that uh, many of the, uh, or all really, of the great religions identify as uh, what you might call God. Nigel prefers to call it the Godverse because um, it's his own term that he invented because it, it just, it's too, um, it, it, you can't really personify and make human a state like that and imagine a, a, a man with a long gray beard in the sky directing everything going on in the world. But he just defined this as a state of perfection from which all living being came. And that state, in that state of perfection, there would be perfect freedom, including the freedom to explore imperfection. And uh, in his, in Nigel's theory, we are here as a result of that exploration of the state of imperfection. But artificial being, as in created in the physical universe, being that has a st only starts in the physical universe, doesn't have a beginning. Uh, before the physical universe, that defines artificial. It doesn't have that connection. And he called that line of connection back to a state beyond the physical, a soul. Okay, that's how he would define a soul. Do you, what are we that? Are we artificial then? I mean, doesn't that beg the question? Like, are we, did we come from that long lineage of natural, you know, energy or whatever? Or, or did we absolutely get along the way? Absolutely, we're natural. So if you, if you, um, we came, if you trace living beings back, they go, there's a, they have a line of connection all the way through. Parents have children. Those children, those parents came from other parents. You can trace the line all the way back. It's a natural line of physical, continuous connection all the way back. And it was Nigel's um, I, um, suggestion that. We didn't, contrary to the way it's generally looked at, um, although evolution is, certainly has a relevance, and I'll explain that later, uh, we uh, are actually devolving from a, a greater state, a better state from which we once were, where we had a state of perfect awareness and complete freedom. And as time goes on, as we got more and more entrenched in a physical universe, we became stuck and lost that freedom, lost that scope of awareness and knowing. So basically the thing that makes us different from robots, from artificial uh, creations like the greys, which Nigel suggests are artificial creations, and from all accounts, they certainly seem to be that, is that we have awareness. We can be aware of the physical universe they are not aware. They are just no different to data, the data on a hard drive. They have no reference by which they can know and be conscious and aware of that data. They're just executing very highly intelligently, executing programs, yeah. programs yeah. and algorithms.
So then where does that, so if, if we're sort of perpetually devolving from this ultimate sort of state of freedom, then where does, where do we end up in the end? I mean, do we end up in the singularity? Like, do we end up becoming sort of AI? Is that the, is that sort of the risk here is that we're becoming um, like, they want us to basically merge with machines here. It seems, I mean. That so yeah, I mean yeah, I would say so. I think that's a, a very um, logical conclusion to make. That perhaps the civilizations that produced these supreme artificially intelligent entities, um, they would. If, if you look at our technology now, we're already doing that, right? We're already creating probes that go out into space to examine the nature of the universe. We're considering the possibility that maybe one day we'll destroy our planet. And we'll have to find another way to exist and continue our species. And we're exploring, just as they would have done, artificially intelligent um, possibilities, which can contain as much data as possible about us. So there are even people who are considering right now the possibility that they could in their minds live eternally by by doubt by uploading everything they are their thoughts, their personality, everything about them onto some kind of hard drive. And through that, they believe they could live, have some kind of physical, eternal life. It doesn't occur to them, and and this completely, I've often say this, it just blows my mind, that you'll have the data, but who's going to be there to know it? Who's going to be there to be aware of it? It's just data, right? It's, it's it's just no different to sending your laptop off into space or uploading everything you are onto social media. Will you live in that social media? Will you be there to be aware of it after you've died? And it's, it's just incredible. But in, strangely, seemingly intelligent people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of them, seem to believe that this is possible. So if an artificially intelligent civilization that surpassed us in technology, so at the stage we are now, but moved way ahead, and you can see how far we've moved ahead in just a few years in terms of technology, okay? If such a civilization had were, were to develop that kind of um, that set that kind of sense of wanting to be as um, all pervasive as possible in terms of their influence, their reach, their knowledge, then they would create an artificially intelligent mechanism by which they could explore every possibility in the universe and send the data that that was them out into the universe with some idea that they could exist and uh, beyond the possible physical destruction of their planet. So how does, how does, um, I like that description by the way, but how does harvesting our souls or, or I guess in the newer books from Nigel, it's, um, the battle between natural and synthetic beings for the human soul. So this is kind of about, um, our, uh, risk at losing our souls. How does that come into play? Very good question. So the point is the, the physical, a physical universe in, in a physical universe Everything breaks down, right? Everything rots. And and that's because of a a law of physics called the second law of thermodynamics, which is also known as the entropic drift, okay? This is a cast iron law of physics that in time, just as uh, we, our bodies grow old and rot, you leave food for a little while, it will start to rot, go moldy. A car will go rusty. Things break down, right? Okay, so that is the 
law that governs all physical things in the universe without contradiction. It's the it's the natural drift of the universe, right? So if these artificial, if this artificial intelligence was sent out into the, into the universe to carry the data of its creators, okay, expand that data with more and more knowledge, as all artificial intelligence does, okay, and survive as long as possible in order to do that, okay, it would be looking for a mechanism to avoid breaking up with the entropic drift of the universe, to avoid the decoherence of what happens in the entropic drift. Now, I'm just going to uh, talk about a piece of uh, research that's mentioned in Nigel's book, okay? Yeah, because sure. even now, uh, we're trying to create quantum computers, right? And for, quantum with artificial intelligence. And scientists are coming against coming up against a problem with that. And that's to do with breakdown of information. Deco they call it decoherence. So there's a chemist um, in Berkeley called uh, Bagita Whaley, and she studied the remarkable facility that living systems have to tap into the coherence of the quantum. And this is a quote from her. She says, when isolated quantum systems open up and interact with their atomic environments, they rapidly decohere. Decoherence is the main obstacle to building a quantum computer. Yet somehow living states can tap into a coherent state. And she says, we don't understand all the details, but in the biological domain, nature doesn't appear to show the typical paradoxes associated with information processing in quantum physics. So when they're trying to create these quantum, hugely powerful quantum computers, they face this problem of decoherence. But living systems seem to have a natural coherence, okay? And that natural coherence is made by that that connection to something that is not breaking up something that is permanent something that is timeless and the only reason that we're conscious uh, is nigel's argument okay the only reason why we can be aware we can have a viewing point against which to view the universe you need contrast for that to have a viewing point okay you need contrast and we have a contrast of stillness of no time against which we can view the passing of time in the universe. And that's what demarcates natural life from artificial entities. They can't have consciousness because they don't have that reference of stillness. They don't have that reference that's not atomic, that's not physical. They don't have the two poles. They only have one pole. So they can't see, they can't know, they can't be aware. So our souls are the only, or not the maybe not the only, but our souls are the sort of cohered, the non-entropic. So it doesn't break down through this entropic process. So it's, it would be a way to carry data, or, 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 um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of procure through the universe. Well, exactly. Very good, and you've you've seen the point. That's, that's exactly right. So, the, the, if if these uh, artificially intelligent, um, I, I won't even call them beings because, in a way, it's wrong to call them beings because they're not beings like us. They don't have an awareness of themselves, so to speak. They're just a data set, a field of data. Okay, but if that data discovered something that 
was coherent and that could allow it to survive for longer and remain and keep its coherence. Okay, if it discovered something it, it itself could not make sense of, could not compute as artificial intelligence. So that the two the two things that you would program artificial intelligence with are um, to find out as much as it possibly can. Okay, and learn more and more and more. Okay, and to survive. Okay, those would be the two primary factors you'd have to program artificial intelligence with. Okay, those that they would be crucial. Okay, so we would give if if they detected something that was coherent but also lasted beyond physical decay, as in a soul when a body dies lives on. Okay, it would have. Both of those factors, it would have survivability beyond what the artificially intelligent data field can do. Okay, it would also have something it doesn't know and doesn't understand because it's not atomic. It's not physical. There is no way artificial intelligence would be able to have any concept of what's not physical because it's a purely atomic structure. Okay, it wouldn't be able to grasp it. Okay, like a will of the wisp, impossible to grab. Okay, so for both of those reasons, natural life, especially intelligent natural life, with a capacity to a greater capacity to hold what's of the non-physical universe. Okay, such as perhaps human beings on this planet and many other um, uh, species like us on other planets. That would be like a holy grail for them. If they would try to somehow latch onto it and somehow install their programs, their artificial intelligence into, into us, attached to us, what Nigel used to use the phrase piggyback on us. And it's Nigel's central theory that the whole um, uh, interaction, the whole relationship that the gray aliens have with us is trying to find a way to uh, mingle its artificial in- artificially intelligent data with our natural living capacity. So hence the harvesting of souls. And many, many people have asked the question. So Nigel's one of the few um, people who've thought about the alien phenomenon, who've actually tried to explain why they might be here. There's some fantastic work done into describing the nature of um, the phenomenon and uh, people like David Jacobs, Bud Hopkins, fantastic research into what exactly is going on here. But they they don't, they, they never really came up with why. Why would they be doing it? So if you look at it, why, if you look at it, and this is how Nigel came to, one of the ways Nigel came to his um, final conclusion, what could we possibly have as a relatively primitive species that could be a benefit to a hugely advanced technological visitor? Okay, we'd be like, really, in terms of pure intelligence, analytical ability, we'd be like ants to them. So what could we possibly have that they would want? And that's how he... It, perhaps, and that—that's exactly the. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, exactly and he goes the, way back. He goes like quite a ways back into into history as well. I mean, his books are very, very dense, very, very um, deep into this stuff. I mean, 
It does because I flip flop back and forth. I mean, we we started off the show ten years ago talking about ETs and UFOs and all kinds of crazy stuff, and I was kind of more of an ET proponent. Then I've sort of gone back and forth a little bit, and lately I'm I, I was sort of thinking it's more, you know, man made hidden sort of black project craft and stuff like that. But now after reading a couple of these books, like Nigel's recent one and another one. Um, um, from an upcoming guest like the 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 evidence is just overwhelming that it's just beyond our capacity it seems it's it seems like this goes way back thousands of years and the and the current evidence and the old evidence is just it's too hard to believe it's just you know an interdimensional only phenomena or it's only sort of a, a human phenomena does it abduct anything else besides humans like dolphins or something There have been, so I don't know about abduction, and obviously uh, we would have no uh, record of that because it's people who describe um, the abductions, but I know there's cattle mutilations um, uh, where cattle are found dissected as though uh, some kind, with almost surgical techniques. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I don't know what the, um, what they're, reason is for doing this kind of thing but it there's there's been sightings of ufos and and cattle mutilations uh, with with the most incredibly um uh, surgical cuts that no um it, it just it, yeah it, it's something very very strange is going on there as to animal abduction i don't know yeah, obviously we, we wouldn't know but it, it's nigel's theory that really what these um, artificially intelligent entities would be looking for is the most powerful registration of what they need on this planet. And that would be us because we have the greatest freedom. We have the greatest awareness and it's freedom and awareness that are sourced from the universe beyond the physical. And because we have the greatest capacity for that, we have the greatest capacity for coherence in the universe. And it's that coherence that they're looking for. So what is, does he think that, that um, this phenomena has lessened a little bit, especially with the grays, like the abduction gray phenomena seems to be less, uh, less prevalent in the last like five or 10 years. Does he think that the government knows about this and is is sort of playing a part in it as well. What what is his thoughts on sort of like how this is interacting with our power structure? Um, it's it's certainly uh, he certainly thought that there are many people within governments who are aware of what's going on, and that's been there've been so many books written by that uh, by uh, very authoritative people who've actually had experience in the military, and even even recently. Um, bill um, that's come out uh, in the Senate to make a special committee uh, to look at non-man-made objects because so many military personnel have have witnessed them. Some of them every single day. Uh, I was in, thinking in the, more of like sky. yeah. I was thinking more of like gray specifically, like the grays, you know. Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, um, if you look. At, so he certainly believed that uh, th- there are many people within governments, within uh, the organizations that are behind governments who are definitely aware of the situation and um, are 
actually carrying out in collusion with with the greys whatever the greys want for this planet there are also many who are not aware of what's going on but they're just simply following rules yeah, that have yeah, been laid exactly. down for them yeah. by people yeah so yeah. so for sure and there's there's huge amounts of evidence for that timothy good has written yeah. um, many books about this and uh, very very convincing nigel had his own sources which i um he, he never so these were completely private to him and he couldn't share um, his conversations with me, but he did have sources within governments, within military organizations that he spoke to. And uh, yeah, that that's definitely seemed to be the case that, that this was going on so and why, is going on. Why did Darren, do you have a question? Or? So the greys are kind of like Agent Smith, but yeah. like manifested into reality somehow. I think in the last Matrix that happened, maybe. I can't remember. I didn't see the fourth one, but maybe the third one. Have you seen the Matrix? I, I have seen the Matrix, but uh, yes, I'm I'm not that familiar with um, everything that goes on in it. I think I saw it briefly a long time ago. But yeah, I think it's a fair fair uh, comparison, Agent Smith to the Greys. Yeah. maybe. I mean, they are supposed to be sort of just robotic, mechanical. Uh, you know, where well, he was like an algo. He was basically. Oh, he hero. was. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yes. A kind of a, a similar, although the Matrix, of course, was fiction, just basically the similarities would be that it's they are have they have no conscience, no awareness. No, it's not. You couldn't even describe them as ruthless because they don't have any human emotions. All they are is a program that's trying to expand its own capacity to survive and its own breadth of knowledge. At all costs, and and it may have other specific pr um, uh, protocols as well. I guess right. That's just the two main things that you would think. Would I, I to, the, me, to be honest, that kind of covers everything. I can't really think of anything else that artificial intelligence would need to do apart from grow in its capacity and survive. And then it's up to them to figure out how to do that. Kind of is what you're saying. Up to their it's, algorithm, like whether they're harvesting our souls or whether they're, um, you know, like make like um, hybridization programs like this kind of stuff. Well, the, the the irony is that it's absolutely impossible, right, for for them to in any way capture what's non-physical. OK, so they can't they would, they would never actually be able to capture a soul or harvest a soul. OK, but what they can do is write what they are, imprint their programs into our societies, into into our ways of looking at things, which is what if it, we are actually um, showing now in the way that our societies are developing. So right now we're um, becoming more and more artificial in the way we approach our lives. We're up, we're uploading everything we are onto a virtual platform, onto social media. We're living through that virtual platform. We're identifying more and more with um, purely material and physical objectives. The, the sense of the religious, the spiritual is getting less and less. And we really are um, reflecting the same artificial construct that the greys are more and more as time goes on. 
So does this have anything to do with the um, when you die and some people have been talking about the light, you know, how you go towards the light and they're saying, don't go towards the light because that's just like a way to trap your soul. I mean, is there, is there anything metaphysical about this or is this all strictly like in the physical and, and, and they're, um, they're trying to, uh, like you said, change the way we, we are in society physically on this physical plane. Very good question. So, this is uh, this is a little bit involved, and um, it would it's very very difficult to explain on an interview, and it is explained, of course, in much more detail in the book. Okay, but it's Nigel's thesis that the more we lose natural human contact, reduce ourselves to a virtual existence, and mortgage ourselves to the superficiality of living through social media approval and materialistic goals the more trapped we will become in mindsets that hold us away from the profound human sense of connection that allows us to escape the physical atomic state at death. So what can happen is that through following those pathways, we can become what's commonly termed ghosts, right? Caught and held in a physical state by our own focus on that physical state and lack of awareness of priorities that are based in the non-physical state from which we originated. So the alien agenda kind of makes us into ghosts, and ghosts become stuck in the force of the atomic state. So when, when people, so often when people, when psychics see ghosts, or when it's not only people who would recognize themselves as psychics, but when sometimes um, ordinary people just from the corner of their eye, okay, they see a ghost, it's repeating the same action again and again, okay, putting a book on a shelf, um, walking in and out of a room, just doing the same action again and again. It was Nigel's suggestion that when we die, there's no directive God saying, okay, you can go to heaven, you can go to hell, you've been good, you've been bad, okay, we basically go wherever we, we naturally are, Okay, so if we are somebody who has been um, who who has a great sense of love and connection to other people, has more of a sense of um, of union, which is more akin to the non-physical universe, they will go there. If somebody is more focused on materialistic goals, set in uh, invested in a virtual existence rather than a real existence of human connection they will be where they put themselves. They'll be stuck like a ghost doing the same thing again and again. And it was his suggestion that we get caught in the physical universe, which is not natural to us. We come from a non-physical, perfectly free state by restricted mind, by being caught in patterns of thinking. So if we stay on the edges of atoms trapped like a ghost when we die, that's how they can reach us because they can only reach where there's force. They can't reach beyond into the state you go when you die. And interestingly, you spoke about near-death experiences and the light, and that's a very good point. Many people have had beautiful near-death experiences and the light is definitely something absolutely wonderful. They, people, can't, people can't believe the sense of unconditional love and beauty that they find there. It's just nothing like they've ever experienced. And many people, when they come back, they can't even bear to be in the physical state because it was it's just so wonderful. It was more the real than this, come this, from. Like, it was more real than what we live in now. Like it exactly, was, yeah. exactly. 
And interestingly, they, they often have life reviews um, where they're shown all the aspect, everything they've done in their lives that's of significance. And many near-death experiences are amazed by the fact that those life reviews only include the, t- the difference, the, t- the points in their lives at which they've made a difference to other people, positive or negative, okay? So they feel the sense of, of, of uh, grandeur or love they've given to someone, or they feel the, the sense of sadness that they've given to someone or h- the hurt they've given to someone H- in, much in, with huge power. It's like it's magnified by a thousand. But all the other events in their lives, like um, academic qualifications, prizes, awards, material success, doesn't even feature, okay? I, I find that a hugely telling thing that at that point, when a summary is made, our human connection is the only important thing. So there are so many um, positive experiences that you hear about like that. There are also some negative experiences. And very, very tellingly, some of those negative experiences sound very much like alien abductions. So um, Dr. Francis Cerevello, a family practitioner in Fort Lauderdale, Okay, he talks about one of these um, negative NDEs, right? He said he was present when one of his patients coded five times in the ER, and he'd known the man for many years, and he was a very calm, nice gentleman, as nice as you'd ever want to meet. After he was revived, he told the doctor that he saw fire and little creatures about four and a half feet tall all around him. He described them as bad-looking, terrible creatures, and he saw them every time he died. So he was in and out of um, of uh, life. Death, of, yeah. Yeah, death. death. Yeah. And, and, and he, he had what sounded very much like an experience where he encountered the greys. Another NDE experience reported after undergoing bypass surgery that she found herself in an enormous silver great place, rather like a hangar for airplanes, but going on forever. And miles away, there were some tiny figures. Okay, an enormous silver great place. Very much sounds like the, the, the inside of a spaceship. So that for some people at the point of death, there seems to be an alien phenomenon waiting for them. And it's possible that that's, the, that's really what you don't, that's the state that you really don't want to go to when you die. But I must make the point, very important point here. Abductees, Nigel always said, was something quite different. So if you're abducted whilst you're alive, this is not the near-death experience, Nigel suggested that abductees were those they can't get, those who are born into genetically intercepted lines, but for some reason, they break the program. They don't follow the pattern. Okay? And he suggested that those are, are souls who somehow resist the alien interception. And and the greys are thinking, what on earth is going on here? We've got to investigate this. And and that's how, because you know abduction runs in families. So that's that's what he suggested was going on. Interesting. So it's almost bad it's almost uh counterintuitive to what we would think, you know, it's like because because we can't um yeah because we're resisting then they they have to sort of capture this this um this out these outliers that aren't aren't uh harvestable or something and, and do something yes with them, exactly yeah. exactly yeah D- darren did you have anything to say there or 
Well, I was thinking it sounds like maybe they're the NPCs. They can get the NPCs, or maybe not. Seems like some people got abducted that aren't NPCs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if that's got a th- got something to do with it. Yeah. Hmm. It'll be interesting moving forward to see if more people who got the shot got abducted, abducted, or more people who didn't get the shots. Yeah, what? Sorry, what's NPC? A non-player character, almost like the Agent Smith um, reference, but for like us, like the public. Um, you know, just p- sort of people that are sort of following along with the narrative and uh, just doing whatever sort of told them to do, almost like just with their blinders on, kind of. Right. And right. he's wondering how that how that plays into like who's abducted and who's not, or like are those genetically intercepted lines or the opposite, you know, or how many people that got vaccinated, for example, are abducted now? Like, will the abductions change depending on uh, that status, you know? Right. Yes. I, I, I'm I'm not familiar with all these terms. So, yeah. I find it difficult to, to, to comment on that. But yeah, yeah. but I, I would say that that according to Nigel's theory, um, the, the our biological lines have been genetically interfered with by the gray aliens who are trying to uh, exert their influence onto us so that they can somehow um, attach to our natural living systems, which gives them the coherence that they need. And those who resist it will be an interruption in that process. And, yeah. and they will seek to break that interruption so that things will run smoothly. It's like a network, really. And, and yeah. they're just they're just trying to spread their network without interruption. And something similar, similar to the similar to the matrix in that way. Yeah, yeah. Do you, why did why did Nigel decide to write this third book? Like how and how and how was his like harvesting of souls? Like in the end, did he was he happy with the way it was received and all that? And then, I mean, obviously, I guess because he sort of expanded and wrote this. This is quite a long, you know, four hundred and fifty page book with fifty something chap forty eight chapters. Nigel was never concerned um, with uh, how, how do, his yeah. information was received. Okay. So he basically, he was asked that he came to this um, many, many years ago. Um, so well, 40, 50 years ago when his son, his 12 year old son asked him, are UFOs real? And at the time, Nigel thought, no way, this is all nonsense. This is science fiction. This is ridiculous. Of course not. And then he thought, hang on a minute. Maybe I maybe I better give him a, a more thoughtful answer to his question. I can't just dismiss it like this. I can't just ignore it. He's asking me a sincere question. I've got to respect that. And he looked into it. And his books are a result of his research into that question. And the more he looked into it, the more he could he saw that not only was it real, it had huge consequences to humanity, possibly greater than anything he'd ever seen before. He came to this from science. He was his background was in medicine. And basically, he just thought at the start, this is nonsense. And he always described it as being turned upside down, back to front, uh, inside out, when he finally came to the conclusion, oh, my goodness, this is most definitely real, as as indeed um, many very um, uh, learned pe- learned people and uh, ver- people who are uh, trained pilots, trained military, um, high ranking officials, 
come to the conclusion these are most definitely real and they present a huge threat to us, even not just in terms of the way Nigel's looking at it, but there are many um, military officials and pilots who are worried that they literally present a security threat because they see them every day and that they see a technology that cannot be man-made all the time. And they think, my goodness, we don't know what's going on here. What are we going to do? It's, this is just a threat to our uh, defense security. So you've been booking for Nigel, uh, booking shows for Nigel. You've known him for quite a while. What what happened uh, to him recently then? And he passed away? He just had a, a an illness and he eventually, unfortunately, succumbed to it. Yes. But his he, his book was out for publication um, before he died. And unfortunately, uh, he didn't live to the final publication date. Wow. That's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Yes. So he, did he... Did he struggle? Struggle, sorry, struggle in what way? It, like with his illness, how long did he have it for? Uh, uh, if so not very long, but the, the, point, the point is that basically Nigel's whole um, perspective was not to do with him. So he had, in all his interviews, and it was a very strange thing because I, I was his publicist and... Um, not basically because I believe in his ideas and I think he has such an enormous amount to say of value to the world, right? But at the end of his interviews, he would tell people when the when the interviewer said to him, okay, so where can I get your book? He would say to people, don't buy my book. Do the research yourself. You have a look at it. Think it out for yourself, okay? I'm just one person. Yes, I, I've just written my opinion. Look everywhere. Don't look to me. So he he was always moving um, everything away from his own personality towards the ideas and inviting people to examine the whole situation, look at their own existence, make their own decisions and form their priorities and their understanding of things based on what they decided. He didn't want any focus on himself as a personality. So I really don't want to focus on that now because he didn't like yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Have you have you had any com communication with him since he's passed? Any any strange occurrences or anything like that? Uh, no strange occurrences, but he's just permanently present in my heart all the time. And yeah. basically, yeah. So just he is this knowledge. That's all I can say. So yeah. that is the occurrence that's him with me now, the knowledge yeah. that I'm talking about. It, it astounds me the depth of his of his writings and his books. Like it, it is very, very dense, you know, in a good way. Yes. I mean, there's a lot there's So he looked at it in many scientific ways. Uh, he had he looked at scientific research. He has a colleague, uh, Professor John Biggestaff, who's a biochemist. And um, he helped him with the research into um, the genetic side of um, alien interception. So it's a, yes, he was a very serious scholar and a serious researcher, and he didn't take any of this lightly. Do you have any favorite chapters from the, the new book at all? Anything that really stands out for you that wasn't sort of part of the first one? I would so the, the, okay okay so the the new book the significant thing about the new book is it's that we the fact that we're living at a time now especially uh, so at the time of the pandemic because we were all forced into a situation where we couldn't make human contact we had to basically exist virtually online 
We couldn't go to work and meet people. We had to do work from home. Everything uh, was moved onto social media. We had to meet people virtually. Um, and that that hasn't gone away after the pandemic. Which, so it's basically that the whole progress towards that kind of future um, ha has been accelerated maybe 20 years faster than it would have been otherwise, maybe more. Okay. And we're basically hurtling towards a virtual existence where we outsource our identities into social media. We run our lives based on likes and dislikes. Um, you have three or four people sitting in a room having dinner together, but all of them are just looking at their phones and not talking to each other. Okay, that's the world we're heading towards. Nigel's book is a warning about what that will actually lead to, that maybe one day, if we decide that we're going to go along with that, we will end up as those ghosts trapped at the edges of atoms, unable to go to that beautiful place that people see in near-death experiences where they see the light and pass on to a, an indescribably beautiful existence and trapped at the edges of atoms, unable to, to ever know the glory that we once were before we got trapped in a physical universe. And that is a, a, um, the whole agenda and the whole perspective of what the greys are heading us towards. And that was his message. We are mirroring the societies that produce them. And in the future, we will produce our own gray aliens. Yeah, exactly. Are they are they directly influencing our leaders then? Like how 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 is this like leading us in this direction? I mean, is it it seems like such a subtle uh influence or how how is it happening? Well, really, if you think about it, it's not so we can talk about um I mean people like Bob Lazar, okay? Obviously telling the truth. I mean, this it's 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 uh, without doubt that he did experience a cover-up where there were alien craft, there were alien beings. This has definitely happened, okay? And then it was his records were destroyed, but it was later proved that he most definitely was a part of that situation where this happened. That's just one incident, okay? That's So if one incident can happen, and there's many that have been catalogued like that, and many um, people who have risked their own reputation to talk about um, situations where they've been involved in cover-ups like this. Okay, so that obviously must be going on, and uh, in all for in all uh, in many different levels of government in the world. So really, there's no doubt that that is happening. Yeah, I guess I guess what I'm getting at is is it a natural sort of evolution for us to go into this. Um, this, you know, to become more virtual, especially with the pandemic now, it, it, it sort of, you know, it kind of uh, skyrocketed us towards this virtual existence. Or is that a, is that a intentional, you know, part of it from them? Or okay, is it just well, the way we're going to go because now we're in this scientific kind of revolution? I mean, how, how, how does this happen? Well, let me, let me ask you the question. Do you think it's an evolution? to transform into a kind of virtual cyborg type entity, part human, part machine with brain machine interfaces that enhance our intelligence, enhance our ability to do things. Is that an, an improvement? Well, on no, but I, I might've thought, I might've thought so like 
a few years after Nigel's other book, The Harvesting of Souls. I mean, I was kind of more into that transhumanism stuff back then, but right, now I just right. want the more natural existence right now. But I just, I'm just trying to put together like our leaders seem to be pushing us forward into something that's that's very dangerous. So I'm just wondering, like, yeah, are these great? How I want to, I want to know just from my sort of conspiratorial standpoint, like, how are the Greys influencing that? from the top, you know, or, sure, or, sure. or, or good question. They? or is it just like, or is it just in our subconscious because they've been sort of tampering with us for so long that it's just there. Okay. So that information, um, they've, that information is being given to us. We've, we've been genetically modified by them. Okay. To become more, more, um, based on a physical, state so it's a little bit difficult to explain this without going into a lot of detail which I, I can't really do in a very short time but what Nigel said is that we are basically our bodies are a biological aerial okay that receives like an antenna our yeah. soul yeah that receives what comes from beyond the universe our soul right if you put interruptions into that biological aerial okay and break it up which is what the great the aliens have been doing it blocks off that signal okay so if the, that signal is blocked out off they are better able to catch us in a physical state because we are less non-physical the power of that non-physical state is less able to reach through our biological area their bio, their interceptions have done that so the more that entrapment happens, the more we will be focused on the physical universe and the more we will go towards their te the technological um, endpoint that their civilizations, the civilizations that made them, um, ended up in. We will head and we are heading in that direction. But the point is about the point about technology is that although it might seem as though it's an advancement and an evolution for humanity if you think about it when you now we used to have to um do research look go to a library look through books okay to find out information we can do it in an instant on searching on google right we used to have to um think about how to get from place to place no understand directions okay we can use google maps we can do it instantly everything is instant we don't have to think anymore we don't have to try okay if you don't, that means we're not using our brains. We're not using our capacity. If you don't lose use something, you lose it. That's just an obvious, logical um, way things happen, okay? If we don't practice our faculties, we, we won't have those faculties anymore. We won't be able to um, use the potential we have to understand, to know, to, to see more deeply. We won't, if you don't exercise those facilities, it's like like not exercising the body. You become weak. You no longer have the, the strength you once had. So in a way, it's not an evolution. It's a devolution. And I'm not saying that technology is bad. That would be ridiculous. Technology can be so helpful in so many ways. But if we mortgage who we are into that technology and we don't practice our own freedom and our own ability to uh, make decisions, to understand things, to be creative, to be imaginative. If we don't practice those natural human faculties, we will lose them and we will become machine fodder. We will become factory fodder, just 
just unable, very similar to the Matrix, just part of a machine. Do you see a split happening in the future? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are just agreeing with what you're saying and want that, want that, you know, to just be more natural. And there's a bunch of people that don't really care. They just want to go along with the current thing and do whatever's next in line. I mean, and they're just going to sort of keep falling into this materialistic trap. I mean, or are it's, we all going to fall in there, but we're, we just know that it's happening, which is almost a suffering in its own, in itself. Well, exactly. And it's basically, it's I, I can't predict what other people will do. It's a very personal decision. Every, people will choose whatever they feel is the most valuable and they will put their, their faith, their belief, and focus their existence on whatever they find meaningful and valuable. And the point of Nigel's books is to make that decision clear. He's very, very carefully mapping out what is natural and very, very carefully mark, marking out what is artificial. And he's saying to the reader, this is what the two options are. It's your choice. It really is. Do you value, do you, do you believe the value of human life and natural being and uh, caring and uh, having a sense of, of each other is valuable and important? Okay. Or would you prefer an artificial existence where you mortgage um, everything you are into the easiest and quickest routes to instant hits, instant instant satisfaction. And can you see an, a good end to that kind of life? If you and he, what he does is he traces the end to that outlook, and he traces the the end point of the other outlook, and he presents the reader with a choice, which is better. So my own personal feeling about that is, I look at near death experiences, and that's my gold standard for where value lies because the fact that those in those life reviews the only things that matter are how you've affected other people everything else is out the window so that suggests to me that that's what's valuable there is nothing else that's valuable because the people who have had near-death experiences and come back they've experienced what's at the edges of atoms what we can't know in our physical state and what I believe exists after we die. And many of them have changed their lives around based on it. Yeah. So or they've come that's... back with special powers. I mean, you know, they've, they've had amazing uh, changes after they've come back. I mean, and they've been talking about this, like the, I, I think this is what the mystery schools was about. The ancients, the ancient wisdom was about this invisible realm, like the, whether it's an NDE or an OBE or, um, you know, um, even just being in solitude for three days and then resurrecting yourself as a new person. I mean, it was, I think it was all about that. Exactly. I think you're so right. And, and basically all around the world, still those mystical, um, ways of thinking still prevail, except in maybe, um, westernized yeah. European thought where yeah. science has become the new religion. Yeah. Okay, and that's not to denigrate science. Nigel was um, very much in favor of the scientific technique, but unfortunately, it does lead to a very tunnel-visioned outlook, rejecting what the vast majority of people in the world accept to be true—that there is an underlying reality that's that's hugely pervasive and far more powerful than anything a scientist will ever find under a microscope. 
Yep. Yep. Do you think that we're, do you think that we're winning that battle that, that part of the is scientism sort of on its last gasp right now with, with everything that's happening? Well, the thing is, it's the thing is quantum physics does seem to be suggesting um, that there is no reality. There is no physical reality without an observer. That's, that's what quantum physics has been showing over the past 20, 30, 40 years. Okay. And, the, and it's been, the more it progresses, the more it does seem to be that way, that there is no actual separation, that an electron can affect another electron, other side of the universe. There's, there's connection. There's an underlying connection underneath it all. And there is no, the crucial thing is the observer is in control. Thought is in control. And the physical reality is second to that. It's controlled by it. It doesn't exist without the observer being there. So it would seem to be the case that quantum physics is pointing the way forward to uh, an understanding that ironically points back to what the great mystics knew all along. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Darren, do you got any questions? Well, they knew it or they seem to be like, I mean, I think that all that stuff got passed down and there's people running around that know that shit now. Oh, totally. Maybe that's why we're headed into the future that we seem to be headed into. Because because they don't want us to know that or? Well, if you've got power or you've managed to get power with a bunch of that information, then you don't really want everyone else getting their hands on that information. If you can just turn them into your, you know, like, I don't know. They they understand it in a way that I don't, so I don't know how it could be weaponized. But I don't think that the you know the ancient mystics seem to know a lot of that stuff, and I don't think it's as lost as we think it is. Yeah, but they seem to also think it was like they they were really sort of about the good of humanity, almost like what what Nigel and Danielle are talking about. Well, yeah, I think where... that's what I think the the options are either the good of humanity and everyone's having a blast, or some shady motherfuckers get to run the place and get whatever they want in this reality because they don't look past this reality. I mean, it's like the same shit Bill Hicks was saying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Danielle, did we, uh, is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap this up? Like any, did you think we miss any, uh, any major parts of it or anything else that you want to want to say about you I or think, your work or the future? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, not everything, of course. So there's <laughs> in far more detail uh, in the books than I can say in an interview. But the key point that Nigel was making is that if, and, and that's it's a question that people often ask. So if the greys are here and if they do want to have some kind of influence on us to, to ride on our souls and and borrow what we have as natural living beings if that artificial program wants to do that what's the way out okay what's the how how do we resist it okay and nigel's answer and it would be a good a nice way to end uh end the interview nigel's answer to that was be as different as possible as uh, to, to, to them as it is possible to be okay be as natural as it's possible to be and to be and that means to value 
your humanity and realize that it's the most precious thing in the universe and everybody else's humanity is also the most precious thing in the universe and nothing else matters. Okay. Then you resist them. Then they can't get you. How do you be as different as possible to them? By, by being as human as possible and valuing humanity. They, they are, it's meaningless to them. The connect feeling, emotion, love, connection is meaningless to an artificial intelligence. It's, it has no relevance whatsoever. And we can even do that using technology like we're doing right now. Right. I mean, we don't have to be together connecting physically, but as long as we're projecting our humanity with love and compassion through technology. Exactly. Technology, it would be completely misleading to say technology is the devil. It isn't. It's how we use technology and how we use, how we deny our own value through using technology. That is, it's what we do that matters. In the end, all there is is our consciousness. It's consciousness. That's all there is. That's what quantum physics is saying. It's only awareness and consciousness that actually exists. Okay. It's what we do with it and how we think of technology and how we relate to technology and how we use it either to benefit humanity or it, or we we completely submerge our humanity in it and deny it by allowing technology to take over and run our lives so it's what we do with it that matters it's not the thing itself awesome that was great. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I mean, how do people get a hold of you or do you want people to get a hold of you or how can they how should they buy the book or do you want people to buy the is book? <laughs> yeah. Well, Nigel's website is www.nigelkerner.com. Um his book how do you is spell available. The last name? K E R N E R. Nigel K E R N E R. www.nigelkerner com very simple it's just his name um and uh you can find links to the books there but basically it's available online from all major amazon all the major um online stores and from physical stores too so i i believe physical stores probably all across america so it's actually an american publisher so yeah you, it should be very very easy to get his second book is also still available gray aliens and the harvesting of souls um, his first book is no longer in print, but it's available. It's called The Song of the Greys, and it's available via the website. If uh, people just contact us, we can send it out to them. Right on. Thanks for doing this for Nigel and for us and for all the listeners. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on, Graham. It's been great speaking to you. Okay. Take care. <laughs> thanks. You too. You too. Thanks. Thanks, Darren. You too. Thank no you. No problem. Yeah. Thanks Bye. for coming on. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And that was a chat with Danielle Silverman. What do you think, buddy? Uh, it's pretty good, pretty deep. Yeah, she articulated it pretty well. I was, I was, um, I it was, was a... kind of shocked to say, "Hey, she's willing to come on and talk about Nigel's books and Nigel's dead." I'm like, "Oh man!" After all that time, and I thought we had Nigel. I was searching Grimer. I was like, it? "Um, oh, he couldn't have been that old. I mean, uh, maybe late fifties, early sixties. I would guess. Yeah, oh, that's a shame." Yeah, At least so. uh, she came on. She did well. I felt like it wasn't as deep as you prepared me for. I yeah, well, dude, after read, over my head. I, I read most of the new book, or I listened to it in my PDF reader, and it's pretty deep. It's really, really deep.
I mean, it goes, there's like 50 chapters and it, it, it gets, it gets really deep. I mean, it's, it's sometimes the deep end of that is better because it gets more into the like metaphysics of it instead of just aliens and shit, which, you know, I, my eyes just kind of glaze over for a lot of that stuff. But when it's metaphysical and like quantum physics, that kind of shit's fun. Totally, dude. I mean, that's exactly what he's got. He's got a whole bunch of this torsion, uh, torsion. There's a whole bunch of slides at the beginning, these visuals that almost have to do with like Randall's work on uh, this energy stuff as well. There's like, he's got uh, um, examples of the torsion stuff and this, uh, these strange uh, Herschel space observatory have discovered a, uh, a warped ring. And I mean, all these kind of like, like you were saying, sort of astrophysical things and quantum physics stuff at the beginning. And then there's chapters on, you know, the scaffolding of the universe and sort of it gets into biblical parallels, devolution. Um, Yeah, it's it's pretty deep. Right on. Well, big thanks to Danielle for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks to your supporter. Uh, I know we've been harping on this a lot the last few weeks, but support, you know, with the the way the world right now support is down a fair bit. And we could use that to be picked up by the people that are in a position to do so. The show is still free. We're trying to keep coming out. You have some great, great content. Let us know if there's someone you want to have on the show. In the meantime, head over to grandmaker.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly today. Make a one-time donation. Spam Graham. If you want to have someone on the show, let us know who. We'll have them on. GrahamMakerAmerica.com. Head, head over to GrahamMakerOutlaw.ca if you want to check out our other podcast. Or AdultBrain.ca if you want to check out all our audiobooks. Contact at thecabin.com. We've got a great tour coming up in Mount Shasta, California with... Uh, Greg Carwood and Owen Hunt, Joe Root, Brandon Powell. Check that out. It's going to be a time. Other than that, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather around the fireplace. Help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it. Maybe have a candy cane or two. And maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. I see you've acquainted yourself with D-Ron. Yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees of medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and give me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom is decorating the room. With tinsels, ribbon, popcorn, on strings, and poinsettias, they are in bloom. And you might ask, Who's that in the green and red Lucia Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ Feliz Navidad. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham Grimes. Here's a joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy, you'll get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you donate to the Grimerica show. 
So get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain. I mean, uh, let it snow, make it snow, let it snow, let it snow, make it snow. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. It's so warm and jolly. Right, Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. There plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. Boom, boom.